You're listening to the You're In That Body podcast, episode number 184. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Hey team, I hope you're doing great. This is Kim Eagle with the Earn That Body podcast here today to talk to you about soy, soy products. We are so confused at this point. Are they good for you? Are they not good for you? I have to tell you, I was recently listening to something by Jillian Michaels, and she was talking about all kinds of milk. And when she got to soy milk, she went a little crazy and basically said, just no, you don't drink soy milk. We're not even gonna talk about it. It's so bad for you. And it really made me question, not that I drink soy milk, but well, what is it exactly that she's saying? Why is soy so bad for you? Because half the time I hear it's good for you, half the time I hear it's bad for you, and I decided it's time to do the research and find out so I could share it with all of you. So all of that after this. And now it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle Eye on Health from Berkeley News, I have just a little something for you about the truth about dates on grocery products. You know those dates? It's an expiration date. It says to use it by this date. Should you throw it out? Can you keep it? I don't know about you, but in my household, it's actually a little bit of a fight between me and my husband because I always want to toss it if it's after the date, and he's always telling me, it's fine, it's fine. Well, according to this article, we can learn just a little bit about some of the definitions that you might see on your products. Now, how long a food product remains safe to eat actually depends more on how it's been stored and handled than on its expiration date. In fact, the dates on products indicate when they should generally be consumed or sold by for the best food quality, but not actually for food safety. Here are a few common phrases and what they mean. So you might see best if used by or before on a certain food item. And what that means is when the product will reach its best flavor and quality. Or you might see an expiration date of some sort that says use by, and that's the last date recommended for the use of a product at its peak quality. Then you might see freeze by, and that's the last date a product should be frozen before its quality will start to decline. And then there's sell by, and that's really an indicator for the retailer of when the product should be pulled from the shelf to ensure that consumers purchase the best quality items, but it isn't a violation for stores to stock products past this date. Now, in general, you wanna buy foods before their sell-by dates, and you wanna observe the use-by dates. Foods past their dates are often still safe to eat, but only when handled and stored properly. Dates on cans mean best if used by. In general, high acid canned foods like tomatoes and even the fruits, those can generally be stored for 12 to 18 months before the quality will start to diminish. 
low acid canned foods like vegetables and meats, they should remain tasty, they say for two to five years. So that's just a little update. Maybe I throw things away a little too fast sometimes because apparently it's more about the quality versus the health standard and is it actually going bad. But I always have this thing I like to play it safe rather than sorry because the last thing I ever want is food poisoning. Because if you've had it and you've been there, you probably don't want to go back. Now let's get to the topic at hand. Soy food, soy products, good or bad? It is so hard to know these days because I have seen articles saying one thing and I've seen articles saying another. Depending on what you eat every day, soy-based foods like your tofu, soy milk, miso, tempeh, edamame, they may sound like classic health foods, right? People think of those as health food. For vegetarians and vegans and other dieters who have come to rely on this common meat alternative in their diets, grocery store items rich in soy have developed sort of a scary reputation for what they call a disease risk. This is because some previously published research actually was downright scary with claims that increased soy was messing with hormones, the thyroid, and possibly causing cancer. So which side of the debate is right? Does soy deserve that health halo of, you know, it's just the healthiest food for you, it's plant-based, you should eat more, or should you swear it off and not have it ever? Well, as is often the case when it comes to nutrition, the answer is not always black and white. For the most part, soy-based foods are some of the best foods you can eat on the planet, according to Jacqueline London, and she is a registered dietitian. She says soybeans provide a plant-based protein source, a slew of vitamins and minerals crucial for reducing risk of chronic disease, and they have fiber that helps fill you up and makes you feel satisfied. Now, while some small and very poorly designed studies, unfortunately, have led to inflammatory headlines over the years, it's important to think about all foods in context. Eating plant-based foods in their closest to nature form, that means that they're not the processed ones, can be and are super nutritious. But, here's your but, taking supplements of these compounds of soybean, that is not really very healthy. And that's where the health risks have been seen. In fact, it's not uncommon to see research reflecting consuming compounds in supplement form rather than eating the foods themselves. Those supplements are linked to increased disease risk while real whole foods are linked to decreased disease risk. So why is soy so controversial? Well, you might remember in the 1990s when soy food first started really sort of hitting the market. At that time, the experts believed that soy had the power to fight all kinds of problems like obesity and heart disease, even cancer. 
After all, they, they sort of looked at the people in Asia who ate a lot of soy, and the studies showed that these populations had significantly lower rates of obesity, heart disease, breast cancer, all in comparison to the United States. So they sort of said, well, clearly soy must be this miracle food. Well, not necessarily, because those studies only looked at associations and not causation. Just because people who consume a lot of soy also happen to be healthier than people who don't eat soy, it doesn't automatically mean that it was the soy that was the key ingredient to their health, right? There's so many other factors it could have been. It could have been genetics, it could have been lifestyle, um, could have been other aspects of their diet as well. When researchers began taking a closer look to find out what made soy so healthy, they actually ran into some surprises. Soy, as it turned out, contains estrogen-like compounds called isoflavins. And some findings suggested that these compounds could promote the growth of cancer cells. It could impair female fertility and it could mess with thyroid function. Some health experts also didn't like soy and would talk pretty poorly about it because of its potential to be what is called an endocrine disruptor, which basically means that it can mimic estrogen in the body and lead to a hormone overload. Now, at the same time, other studies were still showing that soy consumption could cure high cholesterol, help women cope with the symptoms of menopause, and Dr. or I should say RDN registered nurse Don Jackson, a Chicago-based dietitian, says that while whole soy doesn't does contain natural plant estrogens, they're so much weaker than actual human hormones and it shouldn't cause any worry at all. Add it all up and you can see that this little green bean, <laughs> this little soybean has become such confusion for everybody. And as with all foods, experts still don't know everything that there is to know about soy, but research in the recent years suggests that moderate consumption of minimally processed soy foods not only isn't bad for you, but it definitely has a lot of benefits. So that's something that you really want to keep in mind is that it's the minimally processed soy food that is really not doing harm to the body. So soy may decrease your risk of certain cancers and other chronic diseases. That's what they've recently found. Now, how did soy even get linked to cancer in the first place? Well, they say it has to do with processed grocery products. Soy protein isolates, which is a highly processed form of soy used in cereals and protein bars and snacks amongst other foods, they may contain more soy isoflavones, which are organic compounds that can also be considered the endocrine disruptors in high amounts. Elevated levels of this kind of soy may lead to unbalanced hormone levels, which can play a factor in cancer risk, right? Now, the majority of recent high-quality studies, however, have found that unprocessed soy doesn't increase breast cancer risk, and very high consumption could even offer some potential protection. So eating soy could help 
protect against other types of cancer too. Findings show that soy consumption may slightly, they do say slightly, lower the risk for gastrointestinal cancers and have a protective effect in prostate cancer survivors. Eating a high fiber diet is also tied to lower colon cancer rates and soy foods like edamame and tempeh both have plenty of fiber. The only instance in which you may want to limit soy consumption, well, if you've previously been diagnosed with estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, you might want to be cautious. Your doctor may advise that it's best to skip soy altogether if estrogen is at play in this case. Now, they also say that soy might improve fertility and help with hot flashes, well, gosh, how can that be bad, right, ladies? Soy appears to be beneficial for fertility as long as you don't eat, what do you think? Too much of it. Women undergoing in vitro fertilization who have environmental exposure to BPA are more likely to get pregnant if they also ate soy. And that's likely because soy's isoflavones help neutralize the BPA's endocrine disrupting effects. Just don't go overboard, but isn't that the case with everything I always say? Everything in moderation. Consuming over 100 milligrams of the soy isoflavones, which is the equivalent of six ounces uncooked tempeh or 16 cups of soy milk daily, was linked to reduced ovarian function, and that was found in the Journal of Nutrition Review. But moderate soy consumption did not pose a problem. I mean, 16 cups of soy milk. Who is drinking that much soy milk? And if you are, that's obviously too much. Now, as for soy solving hot flash problems, it might help, but they say not for everyone. Among women whose bodies produce the soy metabolite equal, it's spelled E-Q-U-O-L, those who ate the most soy experienced significantly fewer hot flashes and night sweats compared to those who ate the least. And that was found in a menopause study. Try adding soy to your diet for four to six weeks and see what happens if you're someone with hot flashes. If it helps, then you probably produce the equal that they're talking about. If it doesn't, you probably don't. So it may or may not actually help you with that, but you can certainly give it a try. Now, you should pay more attention to soy intake if you have thyroid issues. You may have heard that before. Well, soy foods actually don't affect your thyroid function in people with healthy thyroids. And so they found that out at Loma Linda University in 14 studies. But if you have an underactive thyroid, you might want to watch how much soy you eat. Soy foods have been shown to interfere with the body's absorption of the thyroid medication. But guess what? That's only if you overdo it with the soy, if you take in too much of the soy. The evidence is still far from conclusive, but the experts advise to wait at least four hours after consuming soy to take your thyroid medicine. Now, I actually thought this was really interesting because as I have been battling a thyroid issue over the last several months that I've talked about uh, briefly on the podcast, one thing that I asked my doctor, at first I was hyperthyroid um, due to a virus that I had. 
And I first I asked him, do I need to change anything in my diet? And he said, no. Well, something that's happened to me, um, because I had something called thyroiditis, what often happens is you get hyperthyroid, and I was off the charts hyperthyroid, and then the doctor warned me that it usually then will turn to hypothyroid. Um, and he nailed it because in my last blood test, I'm now hypothyroid. And he said, most people with thyroiditis, it will then go back to normal. So we're waiting it out right now. And luckily I don't really have any symptoms. And so when I asked the doctor again, I said, okay, now that I'm hypothyroid and I had read stuff about like soy intake and you shouldn't have soy if you're hypothyroid. And I said, so um, do you think I should change anything in my diet or is there anything I need to be cautious of? Do you know what he said? He said, just make sure you're not taking supplements. I said, oh, well, that's good because I don't take supplements because I know how awful they can be for your body. He said, exactly. It's the people who are taking all these supplements that have the biggest issues. So he said, no, I don't have to worry about what I'm eating. He already said, you're a pretty healthy person, which I am. But his biggest concern was, do you take supplements? So I thought that that was really interesting, everyone. We need to be cautious. Don't take all those supplements because you don't need them. And there's no research that shows almost any of them work. Okay, so that was a side note. But what I wanted to express from this article and from this research is that the soy is not having an issue with the thyroid. It is having an issue with taking in a body absorption of the medication. But that's very different than what you often hear. You hear things like soy affects your thyroid. Well, affecting thyroid medication absorption is different than it affects your thyroid, right? Because I'm hypothyroid right now, but I don't take medication. So the soy is not going to interact or have a problem with me and the doctor was not concerned at all. So what are the best and or the worst types of soy that you should be eating? All of soy's potential benefits come with one important caveat. In order for it to be a success in your body, right, you have to pick minimally processed forms of soy. So you want to think the tempeh, tofu, miso, edamame, those are the things that are the least processed soy and that's what you want to do. You want to stick as close to the source before it has been modified at all, that is the kind of soy that you want. These foods serve up soy's entire nutritional package without all the added sugar, unhealthy fats, and sodium preservatives that you'll see in the highly processed foods with soy. So they call it soy frankenfoods. I think that's funny. Frankenfoods, like the meat analogs, the soy bars, the soy yogurts, or guess what, everyone? The protein powders that so many of you take, they usually only contain something called soy protein isolates rather than nutrition from the whole soybean. Just as other processed foods are lower in nutrient density, removing the protein from the other enzymes and bacteria needed for digestion affects the nutritional quality. So you have to be really careful about these soy protein isolates. 
And unfortunately, it is in so many things, right? And so a lot of people ask, well, is soy protein isolate healthy? Because it's like, it's in everything. It's in power bars, it's in breakfast cereals, it's even in the Impossible Burger. You know that one that you all think is healthy? (laughs) Well, a lot of people say, well, what is it? Well, you know what soy is, right? And you know what protein is, so that's soy protein, but the isolate part, you know, what exactly is soy protein isolate? SPI is what it's called, right? Well, soy protein isolate is quite literally just that. It's protein that's been isolated from soybeans via chemical engineering. In order to do this, the soybeans are first washed with an acid and then neutralized in an alkaline solution. At the end of the entire process, you're left with a dry powder that's about 90 to 95% protein and nearly carbohydrate and fat free. And that's according to the Soy Food Association of America. And because it's such a protein powerhouse, the plant-based powder is typically used to enrich so many packaged foods, like I said, from the protein bars to the protein powders to the veggie burgers in smoothies, all these things. But is it healthy? Well, they say there's no define there's no denying the fact that it is supercharged with protein. But beyond that, the nutritional profile is really nothing special. When you look at the numbers, like the the sugar and the fiber, there's zero fiber in it, just so you know. There is sodium, 285 milligrams of sodium. They don't seem like, it doesn't seem like the end of the world, but you'll want to keep in mind that the acid washing process, it's actually stripping out all the important nutrients that you want in your soy, like the fiber, the zinc, the calcium, magnesium, and iron. That's what you get when you eat the soybean as a whole food product, not processed, all right? There's also a lot of stuff hiding in the powder that gets introduced during that chemical processing, including metals like aluminum and hexane. And as a rule of thumb, they generally say that people should limit the amount of metals in their diet because it can be toxic. Well, yeah. Don't eat metals, metals aren't good. Heavy metals were found in so many protein powders, now you can see why, and it's the reason why I stopped using protein powder because I felt like I had it every day and I eat so healthy and the last thing I needed was to go down because I had protein powder every day. When all you have to do is swap protein powder out for Greek yogurt and you're gonna get real food protein without all the heavy metals, right? So. SPIs is what they call it, right? The soy protein isolate. It's being made. A spray drying process also follows the acid wash process, and that can lead to nitrites being introduced into the formula as well. So should you eat it? The pros say no. They don't recommend you eat soy protein 
isolate. It's highly processed, it's chemically treated, and there is concern that it, again, affects that thyroid function in terms of absorption of medications, and it can also cause gastric distress. I mean, yeah, I could see how it could do that after you can see it's been completely modified and stripped and acid and this is added and that. I mean, it just sounds so processed and yet it's in so much that we eat. Like you really want to start looking at the labels on your packages because you're going to see soy protein isolate in so so much. So you really want to be very careful because soy products are actually good for you when it's the entire whole food, right? Like the soybean in general is really healthy, but it's these substitutes like soy protein isolate that you find that is what is the unhealthy part. So if you're a fan of soy and protein, it's gonna be tough to avoid all of these processed soy products, unfortunately, because they are in so much. So you're gonna wanna look for organic, non-GMO, natural sources of soy when you can, and that again is looking for things like the whole edamame, the tofu, the miso, and the tempeh, right? So just like everything else as well, what they really truly say about soy is that it just needs to be eaten in moderation, no matter how you're consuming it, right? So if you're looking to step up your protein intake or you know, if you're trying to go plant-based, all those things, the thing about soy is everything in moderation. So even I, you know, even though I say, well, the whole soybean is good for you, and as long as you're eating the miso and the tempeh, you don't want to have, a, you don't want that to be your only source of protein all day long. That's not moderation. If you had soy a few times a week, they said that would be fine. Like if you had tofu two to three times a week, you're all good. You don't have to worry about it. But if you're having it all day, every meal, and you start to see that so soy protein isolate in so many ingredients of all the foods you're eating, because maybe you have gone plant-based or you eat a lot of processed foods or you're eating a lot of these supplement-based type foods like the protein powders, that's something you really wanna start getting cautious of because that seems to be where there are the most problems and concerns with eating soy. So I think this has eliminated concern for me. I really love tofu and I eat it twice a week probably. Um, I, I could eat it daily, I do love it that much, but I know it's, it's not something you want to eat daily. It's something you have in moderation. Uh, it's just like eating red meat. You can have red meat and I eat red meat. Now I eat red meat maybe twice a month. I don't eat it very often, but I'm not a vegetarian by any means. Everything in moderation. The way that I eat, it's like I'll have chicken one night, we'll have tofu one night, we'll have fish one night, and then we'll go back and maybe have ground turkey the next night. Every single night, I try to rotate what our protein is, with some nights being more vegetarian, using the tofu generally, some nights using fish, some nights we have red meat, you know, everything in moderation. And if you truly live that way, I don't think you have to worry about what you eat. It's when you eat the same thing all the time and it's sort of maxing out, you know, again, 
like these soy products all day long, which a lot of vegetarians do because it seems to be their only option, that's when you have to be a little more concerned. So there you have it everything you need to know about soy. Um, just quickly, because I, I think I had mentioned it earlier, one of the reasons I was so confused about soy is because when I heard Jillian Michaels recently speak about milk, when she went to soy milk, she just kind of went crazy and, and didn't give a reason, but just said, no soy milk, no soy milk. We're not even gonna talk about it. It's just so bad for you. So when I did look up soy milk to really understand, well, what's wrong with the soy milk? The major issues with soy milk is that most of the soy produced in the United States apparently comes from genetically modified plants. And so I think her biggest concern with soy milk is if you don't get an organic brand that is non-GMO, then yes, it is really poor quality and is not healthy for you at all all. So if you are someone who drinks soy milk, you just want to be really cautious about where it comes from and make sure that it's organic and it's a non-GMO source. And you always want to look at the ingredients on the label as well. Don't just think soy milk, it's healthy because it's not always. Sometimes it has a lot of added sugars or um, all kinds of added preservatives and things to try to make it taste good. So that's something to note as well and I thought was interesting. I don't drink soy milk, I drink regular organic milk. There's nothing wrong with organic milk if you don't have any kind of intolerance to, to the milk. So there you have it today. You got everything you needed to know about soy. Continue to enjoy it in moderation, just like everything else out there. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, I would love it if you would give it a share on um, social media, anywhere. Like if you're listening to it, take a picture, post it on your Instagram story, share the podcast. I do the podcast as a labor of love. I don't make any money and I don't have any ads because aren't ads so annoying on these podcasts? I find them so irritating. I'm just not gonna do that to my followers. But a way to thank me would be a rating or review or sharing the podcast on social media. The more followers we can get, the more people I can help because my overall goal is to pay health forward and help as many people out there get fit, strong, and healthy. So that's it for today, everyone. The Earn That Body podcast, always here to bring you fitness, nutrition, and health information, and even soy information that you can put into play right away. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.